Wherever you are in your adoption journey, we are a community centered around love, trust, and respect for the experience and opportunities that have made us families. We promise to share, encourage, support, and celebrate the day-to-day of adoptive mamahood together. I'm Liz. And I'm Sarah. And together, we are Two Adoptive Mamas. Welcome to Two Adoptive Mamas. This is Liz and Sarah here, um, and we are have the pleasure um, of talking with Jessica Whipple today. Um, she is a friend of mine, but also an author um, and just an amazing person. Um, we're excited to hear her story and to highlight one of her books that um, just recently came out, and we'll we'll let her share a little bit about it. Uh, but welcome, Jessica. Thanks so much for joining us on Two Adoptive Mamas. Sure, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so excited. Um, could we just start off, uh, like, you know, I didn't actually say a whole lot, but can you just tell us a little bit about who you are, um, your story, um, and if through that you want to touch on how you may or may not be ad- connected to the adoption and foster care community, that would be great. But we really want to hear about who you are um, and and a little bit about what it is that you're learning right now in life. Sure. Um, so I'm an author. I'm in Eastern PA. Um, I have two picture books out right now. The most recent one is called I Think I Think a Lot, and that's published by Free Spirit Publishing. Um, It's illustrated by Jose Bizion, and it's available anywhere books are sold. But um, to say more about it, it's about a girl who is neurodiverse. Um, We never say in the text that she has OCD, but in my author's note in the back, um, I come right out and say it. and uh the i guess the overall message of the book is to um to look for look for beauty where wherever it shows up um and sometimes on the underside of suffering you can find something beautiful and um the girl in the story is comparing herself to her peers and the way that they think um, or the way she perceives that they think, and she she believes that she thinks much more than they do about things that um, that they're probably not thinking about. And so she, this concerns her. Um, she she believes she's less than, but in the end, she comes to realize that there are good things about the way that she is made. Great. Well, Jessica, I can't wait for us to unpack that a little bit more during this conversation. Um, And it blends beautifully with our um, kind of our focus of the podcast this season, and that is community, Um, what community is, how it can combat isolation, um, but really getting to the heart of what true community is. So as you think about your journey as an author, as a mom, as a wife, um, what's at the root of meaningful community to you? I just realized I didn't answer your question about how I'm connected to the foster care and adoption community. That's okay. Go ahead. You can answer that too. (laughs) Okay. Um, I have no connection other than I have some friends who have adopted, um, of course, Liz. And um, yeah, so that's just something I'm perceiving from the outside. But um, I do think it's a beautiful thing and um, really a calling. Um, I have two daughters and uh, they are my own biological children. 
Um, so you asked um, community. Um, I guess I never really knew growing up how much I love people. Um, and that has come out along my author journey, interestingly. Um, over COVID, we were, you know, everybody was on lockdown. Um, people were saying like, oh, I'm missing people. But I had the writing community on Twitter. And so I never, at the same time, we had moved here to Lancaster. So everybody was new. Um, I loved meeting people in person, but I also really still felt connected because I was always on Twitter talking to writers, um, you know, critiquing their work. Uh, I was part of a critique group. I still am. So, um, you know, just throughout the querying process, like it's a very supportive community. Um, and it has helped me to realize that in general, um, whether online or in person, like I really like getting to meet people um, and knowing them. Um, possibly more than I realized. I always thought I was an introvert, but now I don't really know what I am. <laughs> One of the things that we have heard um, throughout this season, maybe in different ways or avenues, um, depending on who our guest is, um, is thinking about how that uh, online connection piece um, has been so crucial for um, our definition or maybe our perspective on community, but how valuable and important it is to have those in-person connections as well, um, or maybe how to use technology in order to fuel that online connection piece. So even just hearing you think about your reflections, your personal reflections of like, you know, how do I get energized by people or how I, how you miss people and like how that um, has kind of evolved since COVID. Um, it's just really interesting to hear like all of these different perspectives on community. Um, and we know that we're not meant to do this alone, right? So it's like really important for us to be able to find those people who truly get it and who can understand and um, really just value and give us grace. Um, so anyway, I would love to go back to your book for a little bit. I know um, you touched a little bit on some of the main themes, um, but just hearing like how you articulated in the author's note um, that you kind of like came right out and said it about OCD, but um, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write this particular story um, and tell us how you might be connected to that um, inspiration um, and just kind of how you have like navigated all of this. Sure. So, um, I never, I guess to short, like to make a long story very short, I never expected to write picture books um, as a career. I never even expected to write them as a hobby. Um, but here I am and, and I love that I get to do this. Um, throughout developing my sort of portfolio of work, I, I realized that I wanted to, to write about OCD in some way. I always thought, you know, Maybe I'll write a memoir. Well, I don't think I'll ever write a memoir. I guess I think of this as my memoir. Um, I wanted to write about OCD in a way that is accessible to kids at the library or at bookstores and not just in like the clinical setting. Because growing up, I was diagnosed at 13 and the books that I encountered about OCD were always given to me by a therapist. They were kind of like workbooks. They were clinical. Um, but I wanted to write something that kids could find anywhere um, more readily. And in doing that, I had to really zoom in on one particular aspect of OCD. And for me, that was um, 
like rumination and overthinking and worry. So uh, that's where the that's where the book kind of came from. Um, and I remember a long time ago, one of my therapy sessions growing up, a therapist challenged me to say to myself, um, what is something good that has come out of this? And it was really hard to do. <laughs> it was hard to see a good thing that had come out of me having OCD and all the suffering that I had been through and still continue to go through from time to time. Um, and we can talk about that more too, if you want to. So the challenge, um, over time, I've been able to see good things that have come from me having OCD. And, you know, it makes me who I am. So um, the character in the book also discovers that there are things about her personality that might not be there if she didn't, um, if she didn't think the way that she does. So my hope is that um, if, a, if a child is asked that question, what is something good that, that comes out of this bad thing? I hope it's easier for them to answer than it was for me. I love that, Jessica. Um, and I think it's a good reflective piece, you know, as we navigate these conversations and any diagnoses um, that we've talked about on the show, what is something good that we've seen come out of it. So something Liz and I were just kind of chatting behind the scenes here and, you know, a focus of our podcast is how we navigate the day to day. Um, so for a listener who might find themselves in a similar situation, either as a parent or a parent with a child with a similar diagnosis, what would you say to them as far as how to navigate the day to day? I like this question because, um, some of what I've learned uh, as a, you know, a late teenager, early adult um, with OCD is that sometimes you just have to go through the motions. Um, you can say to yourself like, oh, I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I I'm in an OCD episode, anything that's bringing you down and causing you not to sort of operate at your, your optimal best. Um, but and, it, and in noticing, like, here's where I used to be feeling really good and here's where I am right now. And noticing that difference, it can feel like, like I'm just going through the motions. I'm just, you know, getting up and um, doing my morning stuff and then, you know, you know, getting dressed and going out and doing my job or whatever it is. If I'm at home, I'm doing mom things and I'm not really living my life. I'm not really feeling um all the feelings that I used to feel. And, and this is not right. This is not an authentic way to live. And then you like, you cast this judgment on yourself that, um, that this is somehow less than, uh, like a less than way of living. But I realized in all of these moments that I have that, um, you know, moments of suffering or even moments of just like blahness, um, it's okay to go through the motions. Like nobody is judging you. There's no authority judging you and saying you are not living the way you should be living. Like you're not doing your best. The only voice that's telling us that is ourselves. And it's just not true that, that, um, that quote, going through the motions is bad because going through the motions is how we get back to where we used to be. Um, if you're feeling empty, waking up and doing your morning routine and getting out the door, like 
just do it anyway, because you'll come back. Like you are performing the tasks that the healthy you performs um, so that when you do come back to yourself, you don't miss a beat. You just go straight into what you used to be doing and, you know, serving your family, working at your job, doing those things that you used to do um, before things got bad. I think that was a really beautiful reminder um, and probably extremely relevant for so many of our listeners. And um, again, another thing that we have often shared um, throughout the seasons of To Adoptive Mama is um, that we live in seasons. Um, and like you said, um, just now so eloquently, like you just have to kind of get up and keep going sometimes. And um, the season will change. Uh, and you know, we don't always have the benefit of knowing when that is. Um, but that hope and reminder, um, that we just have to kind of keep going here for a little bit and like to give ourselves grace. Um, and I also love how you just kind of said, like, we're the only ones who are really, it's so hard. The mom guilt is real rough. Um, often. Right. And so we just have to kind of acknowledge that and just be self-aware to say, like, I think I'm putting this on myself maybe this time mm -hmm. um, or being mindful of when if what if it's something that's true that someone else is putting on us, like, how do we go and like know when it's time to get help um, and kind of get outside of our head. So thank you for that reminder. I really appreciate that. Um, can you share a little bit about your thoughts or like what you would want a parent? Um, maybe they themselves aren't struggling with um, either an anxiety disorder or a season of a heightened anxiety or a neurodivergence, but their child is. Um, and I think sometimes when um, we think about the, all of the layers and nuances of parenting an adoptive or foster child who has experienced trauma in addition to some medical diagnoses like this, in addition to all of these other things that they are navigating. Um, what uh, maybe, is there anything that you would say, are there key phrases, are there ways to engage with that child um, with like common language um, or just a posture or a perspective of how they can interact with that kiddo? Um, knowing that the kid may be uh, diagnosed at any age, right? But so that it could be just scary for the child. And how can we as parents kind of come along those kids um, and lead them into a way where they can talk about this healthy in a healthy way? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I guess as a parent, I like to um, give my girls opportunities to notice when things are a gradient um, and I try to train them in not thinking in black and white um, and I try to help them notice when say they're taking a test at school and they get 80% and they're feeling like that's not where they wanted to be um, I try to help them see like you're not it's not bad and it's not good the test has degrees um, there, there is absolutely perfect. Yes. But in between absolutely perfect and not even writing your name on the paper are a whole bunch of, you know, spots you can be on this number line from, you know, perfection to, you know, complete, um, disinterest. So I think I try to, like, I try to establish that mental flexibility in my own girls. Um, but I also like, to be honest, I don't feel, <laughs> I don't feel well equipped to, um, to like help them with what they're feeling because I get very emotional as a mom. Um, so 
so at times when I've needed extra help, I think the thing that I would say to moms and dads who um, are feeling like there's something here that we need to work on, the thing I would say is like, yeah, like let's get help. Let's ask other people. I think sometimes, you know, this is 2024, but there's still that stigma with like needing to see a therapist or needing to talk to somebody else about um, something you're working on. Like there's like this stoicism in parents, like, well, we should be able to do it. Like this is a parenting issue. It might not be a parenting issue. It might be something bigger. Um, and like my history going to therapy, um, I think I was so ready to go when it was time, like it was my idea to to see somebody. I think I was so ready to go and um, willing because I had seen it in my family. It, it wasn't something foreign to me. So I think as parents, if we can introduce the the possibility of needing help with things and you know needing to go to therapy, even if it's just temporary, like if we can introduce that to kids early when they need it, um, they'll be more willing to possibly participate when things get harder, if they get harder. Great message, Jessica. I think that resonates with any topic we've ever covered on here. There's so many times when we will invite a guest and I mean, we're, you know, looking at everything through the adoption foster care lens, but um, it's just a really solid word on parenting in general <laughs> that we end up talking about. And so I think um, you've done that there. Um, you know, something that we've made a practice in our home, um, our daughter is a bookworm. And when we're trying to get a point across and the way we're parenting isn't quite reaching every nook and cranny of, you know, what needs to be addressed, um, a book always seems to really help. Um, whether it's a Berenstein Bears and not telling the whole truth or um, like we just picked up when Charlie met Emma, you know, to talk about limb differences. Um, we got a book for Christmas about empathy, um, you know, just different. Um, my husband was like, wow, you're really trying to like hit a home run here with these books. Like we're not just <laughs> these aren't just like fancy Nancy. Um <laughs> But anyway, I mean, it really like I can see how my daughter, our daughter engages um, with the plot and, um, you know, kind of what's being shared and then has questions. And sometimes those questions then spur on what we were trying to get to as parents. So as you think about the book, you know, I think I think a lot. Um, what are some hopes that you have for kids to be talking about the big picture conversations, um, you know, if they're not dealing with something themselves or even in their home, you know, developing that empathy for others and understanding how they can, you know, um, think through different experiences they'll have with others they interact with. So what are kind of some of your, your big hopes for, um, you know, what they'll learn through the book? Um, definitely the, um, I think self-reflection is important. Um, and I think, so when I was writing the book, um, potential agents or editors 
kind of wanted to stay away from the comparison aspect um, that it contains. Um, but I feel like personally, kids are going to compare themselves to each other anyway. So if we can sort of just open up that dialogue, um, maybe we can help our kids if they are comparing themselves to other kids and feeling inadequate. Um, maybe we can help them to understand that's normal and, you know, just appreciate differences. Um, there's some questions in the back of, I think, I think a lot for discussion about that and about some other things um, that are kind of anxiety related. But um, I do feel like just sort of like pointing out the elephant in the room, kids are going to compare themselves to each other. We do it. We're adults. Like we haven't learned not to do it. Um, it why are we pretending like they're not going to? So if we can just help them in doing that, um, you know, maybe they can learn healthier ways to to relate to each other. I'm going to take a, like a quick detour, not really a detour, but just curious if you, if we're going to zero in on OCD as a diagnosis, um, what is something that you wish your parents had known uh, when you were first diagnosed? Um, or what is something that you would want a current parent to know about that particular experience um, and how they can come alongside to support? Um, hmm. I definitely would want my parents and um, anybody else in my life at that time to remind me that uncomfortable things are okay. Um, I don't have to avoid discomfort and that um, even if I'm scared, I can do important things. Um, I can do, um, I can do things that might seem hard if I'm scared. And, um, you know, just basically not to avoid discomfort and to understand that life is uncomfortable. I love all of that. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Jessica, I am um, just, we are not shy about our belief in Jesus um, and how he is Lord and Savior here at Two Adoptive Mamas. And would just love to hear if you're willing, what is God teaching you right now um, in your journey? Um, I know he's probably shown himself in many ways throughout your walk, um, but would love to hear what it is that you're learning right now. Thank you. I am trying to learn um, stillness and quiet. I've over and over again tried to read the Bible from the beginning to the end and never have been successful. Um, I'm in a group with two other women and that's what we're trying. And I'm five days in and I've not, not stopped. <laughs> that doesn't mean I won't ever take a break or slow down, but um, I really want to reestablish um, routine in that way so that I'm better at hearing from God and sensing his presence. Um, I know that part of that depends on me. So I want to show up and try to, you know, fulfill my end of the bargain. Well, we'll keep praying for you and rooting you on in that. I also have many versions of the Bible in a year and have never successfully finished any of them. So yeah. Anyway, and I'm, if I started now, I'd be five days behind. So <laughs> maybe I should start now. <laughs> Anyways. Um, 
Jessica, before we close, I wanted to give you the opportunity to say anything else that might have been on your heart about community. And in that same vein, what you're working on now and how our listeners can find you. Sure. Um, I realized that uh, community is present even when I'm not really thinking about it. I had just um, a minute ago talked about parents getting help from outside sources when they need to. Um, community is not just our friends. It's it's the whole environment around us. It's people in our cities and um, experts in different things we're going through. So members of the community are doctors and therapists. So all of those people can rally around us as well as our friends who are there for support. But, um, you know, we just need to know when to escalate things if, uh, if that needs there. And, you know, just be grateful for all of the, um, the resources we have here. And then where to find me. Um, so I have a website. It's authorjessicawhipple.com. Um, I write poetry as well, so you can read poetry there. You can also um, access uh, links to purchase the picture books. Um, you can sign up to have me talk at your school about um, writing or publishing or the themes in some of my books. So that's authorjessicawhipple.com, and it's W-H-I-P-P-L-E. Love it. We will make sure for those listening that we link Jessica's website in our show notes. You can find um, a direct link there. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Really value um, what you brought to the conversation. And, you know, our goal is always to take a miniature deep dive into a topic and then be able to provide resources um, or kind of next steps or questions for parents to be thinking about um, if this is something that resonates with them and you did just that. So thank you for being here and for all of our listeners until we meet again, remember you've got this mama. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or know someone who could benefit from our show, the best thing to do is leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are grateful to be hosting the Two Adoptive Mamas podcast for a fifth season. Learn more about how you can support our ongoing work through our Patreon at twoadoptivemamas.com. As always, it's been fun. Until we meet again, remember, you've got this mama.